Hello, listeners. We've appreciated how uh, how much feedback, as well as how much interest we've had in in Sam Say's interview. Uh, so we're bringing you the the second half, which is, as you can tell, with a timestamp, an extended podcast. Hope you enjoy the second half as we touch on a variety of topics, including my favorite sport, hockey. We also want to say a special thank you to those that reached out and requested this early. Uh, they got exclusive access uh, shortly after we released part one. Thank you. And uh, keep sending us messages, questions, tweeting at us. Uh, we appreciate it. If you like what you hear, share, like, feel free to promote. If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying, is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted, is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the success report. The success report. Even when we look at disparity theologically, when did, when did disparity start at the fall? When will disparity end? The return of Christ. So between that window, there is never. Can I say something to you about that? By the way, yeah, there will be disparities in the new earth. Okay, <laughs> right. So people are gonna have different types of work. Yes, yes, that's right. right. So that's to say, disparities <laughs> aren't inherently wrong, and they're not bad. They're not bad. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. That's a right? good point. That's plus, a good point. <laughs> plus, 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 you have, you know, so in black black Americans make up the eighth highest GDP in the world. Mm-hmm. That is pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. But when you compare it to white Americans, it's not so good. Which is why this is this may sound, you know. Well, I'll just say it. I think we have an envy problem because we look at our neighbors saying, "Well, I don't have what they have," and that's not good because you don't compare yourself to your neighbor. You just be thankful for what God has given you. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't care about disparities. We mm-hmm. should, but. That in itself isn't wrong because you're always going to have disparity. Uh-huh. You're always going to. Right. The thing is, are you thankful what God has given you? Right. That's why I always say, is the government against you or is it not? If the government's not against you, then just work as hard as you can and be thankful for what you have. Uh-huh. And that's biblical. That's biblical, right? Yeah. Being thankful, working hard. Um, yeah. The, the point I was going to just make was that, you know, you start. The conversation, and this is back to kind of like the whole David Platt, Moses, or Marks uh, article, that, you know, these conversations start theological, meaning uh, we, as Christians, we want to help and we want to do what's right. But as soon as you get into the application of doing what's right, you get into economics. And I'm not sure how many of these guys have actually studied. Uh, the Austrian business cycle, if they're Chicago school or whatever the case may be. And, or I would even say just understanding how to break down incentives. Right. Right. Because I mean, for me, again, coming back to disparities, right? Like if I'm incentivized to act a particular way because of the way that I want to live my life and that leads to a disparity, I am going to, you know, I'd rather live out in the middle of the woods and just yeah. hunt to kill, like, you know, hunt to survive, I'm going to look super despair, but my, you know, joy or my happiness in the, my lifestyle might be far above the guy who's making 
you know, triple what I make. Mm -hmm. So should we now be like, oh, well, we got to help that guy. Mm -hmm. And so that's where this, that's why I said like incentives, because for me, economics comes down to incentives. And if you really want to understand, you know, why people act the way they act, I mean, talk about, you know, go back to fatherlessness. You know, what is the incentive for the child without a father? I mean, he has like a gap in his life for that father figure. Mm-hmm. So he has an incentive to fill that. Yeah. And unfortunately, most of the time, if it's a poorish neighborhood, that ends yeah. up being, yeah. you know, yeah. the people running or, the streets. Or sometimes, you know, if I could say, sometimes there's a sexual incentive for black men who are over sexualized and if you're living in a context where it's over sexualized and you remove the interpretation of calling it sin yeah yeah that just opens a floodgate of all kinds of mess so so, uh i really appreciate that point joel um because uh also i'll tell you a bit of my my very quick story about my life i've never seen my father um i've a picture of him (laughs) um does he look like you no, no, no. <laughs> not, not even close. Oh. I look more like my mom. Um, and uh, so my mom has been working two jobs uh, for most of her life. Um, when I'm a kid, my mom is working two jobs. So I don't see her throughout the day. She's not home. When I'm going to bed, she's not there. When I'm doing my homework, well, when I'm supposed to be doing my homework, <laughs> she's not there. <laughs> so what is that? What happens? I have two younger siblings that I have to take care of. Um, I come home from school. I'm not doing my homework. I'm outside doing stupid things because my mom is not home. It's not her fault. She's just trying to provide for us, mm-hmm. right? But because the father isn't home, my mom can't be home. And I'm not home either because there's no incentive for me to be there. So then um, I start just having, doing really bad school i'm doing stupid things with girls and i'm getting myself in trouble but now that's on me that's my sin but that stems from my father not being home which forces my mom not to be home and then has its its effect in other ways but if we don't make that the primary issue this will just be a continuous cycle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there was another word um earlier on you spoke of that i thought's something that we use I say we, but but culturally is used with a lack of definition, um, and that's oppression. When when what do you think? How the culture uses oppression versus what that word actually means. Yeah. So in the world, so in the world, oppression. Uh, it's oftentimes. It comes from, I guess, the underprivileged or the less privileged group in a certain society, I suppose. Um, so then again, it goes back to the disparities. Um, but it's never referring to somebody, somebody else's action toward that person or that group. So oppression, um, you know, refers to somebody as if somebody has a hand just pressing on you and pushing you down so that's why i always go back to laws laws because that's how the government oppresses people so again slavery segregation black people were forced to be slaves right black people were forced into ghettos um that is oppression that was because of laws but today when people say that they're referring to 
everything but laws. Um, so, you know, even in Canada, uh, we say that we're oppressed. You know, black, you know, a lot of black Canadians say that we're oppressed because um, you know, there are disparities between um, black people and white people. Or that um, cops, for example, um, you know, there's a, there's a uh, disparity between cop shootings and, you know, for black people. Um, the problem is we don't deal with why things are the way they are. We don't we don't deal with the fact that, unfortunately, because of fatherlessness, unfortunately, a lot of black um, young men um, commit more crimes by, uh, you know, more crimes at a higher rate than other races, right? And that, unfortunately, leads to a lot of uh, interactions with police officers. Now, some police officers are definitely racist, um, but, you know, unfortunately, uh, because of disparities, we we assume that we're oppressed when we're actually. I think that's good. I, I mean, for me, I would use the definition of, you know, from the one-on-one -on -one perspective, mm. oppression being, you know, someone committing injustice mm. towards yeah. you, yeah. right? So if someone's making a decision based on your race, um, but they don't actually harm you, like, yeah. comp you know, like, can we quantify the harm? Yeah. Other than they look at you with ignorance, like, yeah. unfortunately, yes. you know, yeah. there's no, there's no harm there. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, sure. Maybe there's a little bit yeah. of emotional and stress, yeah. but, but it's hard to quantify. That's a good point. Yeah. Right. So that, you know, just instantly being like, oh, there's oppression because some people look at one culture more negatively than another. I think that's just so simple. It's, yeah. it's not actually getting into the fact to your point, like, is the law causing me to be worse off? Yeah. Is I mean, I would say, is it possible for a private company to be oppressive? Yeah. Sure. I would ask you, what, what do you think if we identified legit oppression, like, mm -hmm. oh, this company is oppressing, you know, any culture, whether that's, yeah. you know, immigrants from Syria, Pakistan, mm -hmm. what, you know, black, whatever. What would your what do you think the response as a culture should be to, to what I would call actual oppression? Yeah. Actually, before I mention that, I'm glad you asked that. Um, one of the thing, one of the reasons why I really, really hate it uh, when people talk about oppression today, when there is no oppression, uh, when people you know say, "Sam, of course you're oppressed." No, I hate that because so I saw um, you know a record of one of my ancestors um, in a uh, slave ship. She was seven years old, and um, I'm thinking that like seven years old being like ripped from your family to take into the new world. Like you're lost forever. And it wasn't lost on me that she was on the Atlantic ocean going to the new world to suffer. But I took the same route, you know, on a plane to Canada for a better life. Mm -hmm. the, the huge <laughs> difference between the two isn't lost on me that she was taking out of there against her will to be oppressed where to the same land that I want to be today for a better life. So how, like, I, 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 for me to say I'm oppressed, it's, it's offensive to me because I'm saying I'm, I'm, I'm trivializing the, what real oppression really is. Mm. Um, but um, to answer your question, there is real oppression today. And unfortunately, because we do trivialize oppression, we don't care about the actual oppression. Um, so 
you know, I, I'm I'm an intern for the Canadian Center for um, Biological Reform, and you know, kids, preborn kids, are being raped from um, you know, the safest place they should be today, um, and very few people care. So there are three nations in the world right now who have absolutely zero restrictions on abortion: North Korea. China and Canada, right? Um, We—it's a bad group to be in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't care what the what the category is. Yeah. Like that grouping doesn't sound. Yeah, good it does. To yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we we kill a hundred thousand kids a year in Canada, um, and it could be from the first trimester to the last trimester, the third trimester. So it's legal in Canada. For an eight-month-old preborn baby to be killed, it's it is shocking. But when we are out in the streets protesting, you know, things like well, two black men were supposedly, uh, you know, oppressed. And I use that, you know, quote unquote, a Starbucks. Then why is that gonna matter, right? Because we've trivialized everything, um, you know, and that affects the 100,000 amongst that is thousands and thousands of black children being killed because unfortunately abortion clinics target a lot of uh, low income uh, you know black neighborhoods so there be, be, I started caring about that issue more because I realized that unfortunately a lot of people are focusing on the wrong things you know and I care about injustice I care about you know um, wanting to end oppression and unfortunately uh, our most vulnerable people are being oppressed in the worst ways so well yeah that that that, that's 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 a good point and i'm glad you said that because sometimes the people that don't know you and see your posts will conclude that you hate black people and you don't care about yeah, you you don't care about the improvement of of black people's lives and people's lives in general. Yeah. So I'm 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 glad you uh, pointed that out, and I didn't know that. So yeah, that adds more context to who you are as a person. So that's good. I think just the abortion issue is something that us as Christians sometimes have a level of ignorance regarding those with a different standard of morality. Right to not recognize that for those that don't hold human life in the same regard, as in made in the image of God, I can understand why there's room for a conversation on their side as to, you know, what's the right time for when abortion's not allowed anymore. Um, you know, obviously, majority of people would think an eight-term or eight month term abortion is complex and scary that that's allowed. Um, but I have sympathy for someone who's saying, well, two weeks in, I don't see a problem with it. Sympathy in that I disagree with you, but I can understand how you come to that moral conclusion. And I think sometimes you know, the flip side of this whole, like we were talking about the conversation aspect with the the disparities, 
we're almost unwilling to engage that conversation because we're like, well, any abortion is wrong and I don't care what you have to say. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I would use sympathy. Only I, I do understand where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. Only the reason why I would offer a little pushback on that is because when we look at an eight-month-old baby, that baby looks more like us. <laughs> when we look at a two-week-old preborn baby, that baby doesn't look like us. So we say it's less human. Yeah. But you have to understand, for a black person, that sounds very familiar. Right, that well, that black person looks less like me, so I can get away with doing this more to him than to a white person or somebody. I'm not saying you're saying no, that, yeah, of yeah. course, right? So we we agree. I'm just saying the reason why I'm less sympathetic to that, um, if you know, from the world, right, is that they say it's it's a, it's an embryo. It's not the same. Yeah, yeah. But at 21 weeks, an embryo has a heartbeat. Um, seven weeks you already see every basically every body part already developing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm but, but I see what you're saying, right? Because because the baby looks less like you know a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean I'm referring to the embryo. Um, we then think that we're maybe more justified to kill that baby, but we don't want to define a baby by what it looks like. We want to define a baby, as you said, by is it made in the image of God? Is it mm-hmm. human? I shouldn't say it, sorry. The baby is a he or she. Um, you know, so that's why, um, now definitely we should, you know, I agree with you, we should have more conversations and that's why I really enjoy um, the Canadian Center for Biological Reform that it really is about conversation. We talk to um, everybody um, from every walk of life. We talk to students, we talk to uh, politicians, we talk to uh, churches, we talk to every possible group you guys get you guys get pushed back from feminist oh, groups? Yeah. Um so one of the things that we get well not the most thing we get a pushback from is that you know, we're not shy to show uh, abortion victim photography. Um we show what an abortion looks like. Whoa. And, yeah. Yikes. And yeah. And it's hard for me to look up those pictures, but that's exactly why we show them. Um you know, so we know we all know about Emmett Till. Why do we oh, know about Emmett Till? Because you saw the picture. That's exactly why. Frank. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I would to read. I don't think sympathy was the right word I should have no, used. Sorry. But, I didn't but mean to no, be. no, no, no. It's, it's a good point because, yeah. like, you know, someone could hear what I said and misinterpret that I was and then know, make a sound bite towards no, no, their no, argument. No. Yeah. <laughs> me. Yeah. Oh, Joel's pro-abortion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, but my point being more that I'm understanding yeah. that they can come to that conclusion without being, oh, you're evil. Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, yeah. In, in, you know, that yeah. their motives are, are yeah. impure or, or yeah. for the, dis- you know, bad. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen, and you might say no, but um, I'll reference it for listeners. Um, James Franco talking with a philosopher about the morality of abortion. Yeah. Um, Sorry, who's James Franco? The actor. Um, I'm trying to think of a. He's in a lot of dumb movies. Uh, yeah, he's in a lot of comedy <laughs> movies, but he's it's him and his like philosopher buddy doing like a little philosophy series. Spider Spider Man. Spider Man. Oh. Uh, he was a bad guy, wasn't he? He was a bad guy. Oh yeah! Wait, wasn't he? Um, 
Who was Spider Man's main villain? No, he was Peter Parker's friend, I think. And the villain was a goblin. Okay, okay, yeah, 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 okay. Harry Osborn. Harry Osborn. I'm a DC guy, so. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, um, he's with his, uh, the YouTube page is called Philosophy Time. Um, and the woman he's talking with is Liz Harmon. And you watching his face in the interview is epic because she's basically saying, it's not a life until you decide you're going to have a baby. Yeah. So it's not immoral if you decide not to have a baby because it's not a life. But it's immoral if you decide to have a baby to kill it. So... You know the morality conversation. I just brought that up to. It's it's interesting to watch him just be like, I don't know. This doesn't compute. Mm. Um, yeah. And I I think we need to be willing to have that tough conversation yeah. with people of like, yeah. because for a lot of people, they recognize. You know, there's an aspect of oh, woman's rights, and you know, it's 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 a messy, dirty subject that mm. you know I can hold my view and say I think the preservation of life is the utmost priority but for someone else on the other side to not have that as their utmost priority I can disagree with it at the same time recognize that it's not as simple as I'd like it to be Mm -hmm. wow okay uh, changing the lanes a little bit you wrote an article um pk <laughs> yeah how are you introducing this this is my forte huh? <laughs> what do you mean your forte what do you mean when was the last time you played hockey um <laughs> well, have you ever played hockey of course i did <laughs> we're not talking road hockey road hockey doesn't count yeah, i'm just kidding oh. yeah, road hockey yeah come on man yeah yeah, like- <laughs> no, no. yeah, yeah. i'm just bugging <laughs> okay sorry go yeah um, no 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 um so uh tell the folks about that that article I thought it was very interesting. Yeah. So uh, I think the article's title was uh, P.K. Subban and... uh, The NHL's White Way. White Way, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I wrote the article. Honestly, man, I was just a bitter house fan when I wrote. I was just just angry, man. I... uh, so P.K. Subban is my favorite hockey player. and uh, He might be becoming my favorite athlete, period, actually. Um, he's just a, uh, you know, so in Nashville, he's in Nashville now, and uh, he's, you know, I think, you know, I understand why. I don't agree with it, but I understand why some American football players were bending the knee. Um, well, not really bending the knee, but taking the knee, I should say, uh, doing the anthem. But he's like, nah, he wouldn't do that. He will instead have a program, I think it's called Blue Line or Blue Line Buddies, I think, where he just brings cops and black kids together at his game to just talk. I'm like, that's 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 good because that's dialogue, right? Okay. So I just really admire that guy, man. But anyway, he was a hab, you know, which is Montreal Canadian, and uh, he gets traded uh, by the worst GM ever um, to get some just just typical, you know, just awful. I, I don't know. He's not awful. He's not that great. Shea Weber, right? right? He's older. He's, he's at the He's going into the end of his career, yeah. whereas PK uh, yeah. is still in his prime. Yeah. And uh, it was very much, I think, a trade about culture, um, which really bothered me. 
because it's since then the team is just getting worse and worse. Uh, as in the Habs are getting worse, but then Nashville, the team that Subban is on, is doing a lot better with PK. So, but then the reason why that trade meant so much more to me because at that that trade really made me like hockey less. It really did because look, so Subban is a black hockey player, right? And he, you know, he um, he's been getting quite a lot of flack over his career for you know. His, you know, his, uh, his people say he's arrogant. Eh, he probably is, you know, but he's, I think he's more so extremely confident, but he just talks like when he's playing sport, he just talks like the way I do when I'm on a basketball court, man. I will talk trash, man. But I, I don't know. Say, yes, you do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. you do do I, that. I will. So I'm different. Like in, I was kind of shocked about that. So I didn't think that was <laughs> yes, in you. Because so. I want to intimidate you. I want, like, I'm going to bully you. I'm, oh, I might okay. punch you a little bit. Okay. Like, I will do whatever I can to get you off your game. Okay. And I think Subban is similar. Look, and a lot of a lot of black guys, man, no matter what sport we're playing, <laughs> we're, we're very much the same, man. Like, we'll talk trash. We'll do whatever. But in hockey, that is a no-no. No, it's not. <laughs> right? No, it's so, not. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, so, yeah, like... Talking trash, dude. Did you watch those playoffs at all? Did you see what Marchand was yeah, doing? Yeah, licking players. Yeah, okay, that's offside. Yeah, right? like, but <laughs> yeah, but yeah. in terms of you know getting under people's skin, like I would say, Darnell, if you watch me play hockey, that's what I do too. Like yeah. I, I'm just I want to get at you. I want you to so, I want you to take a penalty me penalty because you're so mad at me and not focusing on the yeah. actual play. So, so that's a really good point. But see, this is where I, I ask the question. Does Marshawn get booed at almost every rink he plays at? Definitely gets booed in Toronto. In Toronto. Subban gets booed at almost every rink he plays at. Even though his antics are much... He's just loud, man. That's yeah, all he yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. He's flamboyant. Right? Exactly. Now, I think that's probably because Subang's really good, right? And people just want to get him off his game. Um, but at the same time, I think he just has that black culture that is against that very traditional fake humble, because they're not humble, they're just fake humble, right? <laughs> uh, fake humble attitude of a lot Shots of players. <laughs> Come on, man. Tell me, Sidney Crosby, would if you ask Sidney Crosby who's the best player in the NHL, he would tell you himself. No, he But he would never... No, no, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, sorry. If he was he being wouldn't. honest. Yeah, if he was being honest, he would say it, but he would never say that, right? Yeah. And that's not humility. That's just being fake. Well, right? I would say that the, like, the hockey culture is don't, say you're the best player just yeah. be the best player yeah and let everybody else say exactly it. really oh yeah like i mean obviously you're gonna have confidence in your own game but mm -hmm. you're not like because hockey is the most team sport i would argue i mean you could probably put yes, football yes, there yeah. but you do have one player who drastically makes a difference yeah. and in hockey i would say the different like you might be able to make that argument around a goaltender but it's more like he can lose you the game if he's yeah. not at a certain yeah. tier. Yeah, but you said the culture is is a sense what? like So because it's so much more about a team game, mm -hmm. right? Because let's look at most people would say if he's not the best player, he's literally there is Connor McDavid. Best player in the league, his team didn't make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. When was the last time LeBron didn't make the playoffs? <laughs> or yeah. make the finals. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So... My point is that the the sport itself is so much more team oriented. Yeah. Right. You you your best player still at most on forward plays a third of the game, and on D 
if you have a you know elite defenseman, maybe he can play half. Because you, man. Yeah. Well, he doesn't play half, but because I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Without getting into the yeah. the hockey <laughs> stuff, yeah. but Nashville's yeah, got but, a but you were saying that, but you were saying that that you're not to talk about yourself, and you were saying something about you know well, just ties. Culturally, like what is that? Well, so I when I read your article, my my first thought is okay, let's put PK. I put him in the same box as the criticism of Ovechkin. Yeah. Right. So Ovechkin's kind of got away from that now. He's, I would say he's way more in tune with hockey culture mm-hmm. and, and just kind of being part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas when he was really young, his celebrations rubbed so many people the wrong way. Like when yeah. he scored 50 goals, yeah. he pretended like his stick was on fire and everybody was giving it to him yeah. just listen to coach's corner don cherry's oh, stuff on i love on don guy. cherry by don't the way don't get me started but, on that guy <laughs> but i mean i grew up with yeah. that culture you know yeah. i grew up in hockey i played hockey almost like almost 30 years yeah um and it, it's so interesting because i i can see the criticisms of pk um in parallel to the criticisms of Ovechkin and yeah. go, they're both slightly foreign to the culture. And, you know, it's not a matter of they don't like him because of who he is. They don't like him because of who he's not. Yeah. It just, he sticks out. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. So I think the title was unfortunate. I, 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 I There's a little tongue in cheek. Yeah. It's, yeah. Of course. <laughs> right. It was a reference to what Darian Pang said. And then Darian Pang, I don't think. Racist, although that was clearly a prudent slip. So basically, I, I mentioned in the article that uh, one of the uh, TSN um, analysts analysts uh, mentioned that uh, you know PK Subban should play like Alex Petriangelo uh, because and he he meant to say the right way, but he said the white way. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know. Skin color was probably on his mind, but I don't think that they're in pink is necessarily a racist. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing, right? I mean, you know, it's a very interesting uh, Freudian slip. Um, so unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, and it's the thing. Now, what's the right way in hockey? You simply meant just shutting up and playing, but that's not the right way for Subban, and he's doing extremely well. He's nominated for his third Norris. He's which is the, you know, best defenseman in the league. He's doing extremely well. I think he's actually the best defenseman in hockey, but you might disagree with me on that, uh, Joel. Because I think he's the best two way. He can he's elite well, at think, every end of the so, ice. So wait, hold on. Would you say that so as far as Subban sticking out, would you say like it's it's a cultural thing in regards to where he comes from? Like uh, him not him sticking out? I not think, no, not I, being black, but the I culture. think there's some of that. I think definitely some people are probably uncomfortable with skin color, but I think that's not necessarily the main reason because mm-hmm. you've had a lot of black players in the NHL right. not suffer the same things he's in, had to endure in terms of... Right, yeah, so I just mean his, his, his conduct. His conduct. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's his conduct, yeah, which is why I say yeah. it's more of a cultural thing. Yeah, because uh, I mean, I think of Anson Carter who had yeah. dreads in the league yeah. and no one's like, cut off your yeah. dreads. Like, yeah. Or again, yeah. who's probably the most respected. Yeah. Like, yeah. So definitely he's in a skin color issue. For some it is, but you know, very, so is this flamboyance? Very, very already. Flamboyance. But again, but even then, it's not even just that because you have, um, what's his name? Um, sorry? No, no, not Wayne Simmons. I'm referring to another flamboyant player, but he's uh, the defenseman from the, not San Jose. Oh, Brent Burns. Brent Burns. But that's, his flamboyance is, he looks like, um, 
What's the the, the creature that lives in the woods? That's oh, the uh, what's that? That bear? No, not the bear. You know, Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Big, yeah, well, <laughs> but like they think it's yeah. He looks like Bigfoot, like legit. Yeah. Yeah. His hair is out of control, yeah. but he doesn't play with the flamboyancy it, that he looks, and yeah. he doesn't talk. Yeah. With the flamboyant. I agree. So I'm going to say he's flamboyant, but he's still within the hockey culture, right? Subin isn't. So I don't think it's about flamboyance. It's that the hockey culture is extremely traditional. And Subin really is very much, though I hate to say this, he's very much like the typical basketball player, NFL player, and that. Now, he's still a good teammate, you know, from what I understand, as in he's still a good guy. Um, he has good character. He's not like a party or anything like that, but mm-hmm. he's just not shy to let you know that he's good right mm-hmm. like you know and in hockey culture that's different that's, that's a no-no yeah i would just say to confirm the traditional comment i mean it's such a broad term but i think the simplest way for people to understand it is hockey players have been wearing suit and ties mm-hmm. to hockey for before any other sport even thought that that might be appropriate yeah. right um it's just part of the culture I wow mean, I, did, a, I didn't know that man even as a kid, I would say things are changing slightly. Um, but when I was a kid, if you're on a rep team, everyone's going to hockey wearing a tie. Now, you know, maybe the whole team shows up to puck wearing tracksuits. Sorry, puck? What, so, sorry, you just said puck. How do you show up to puck? Puck is colloquial for <laughs> hockey. Oh, okay. All, all right. So, <laughs> Talking to hockey I'll, slang. I'll give you an example. I think it was last, last season in the playoffs where uh, Subban is simply getting amped up for a game. He's just dancing. Right, he just mm-hmm. dancing before the game, and then Mike Milbury from an NBC Sport just saying, "Who's this punk that's you know dancing?" Oh boy! Now Subban is not the first guy to dance, mm-hmm. but it's not too common, I suppose. But he's the one that sticks out the most because he's just again he's black man, like you know he's just again like it's not, not skin, skin color. color, yeah, but he's just optically, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like and ontologically, that, and that bothers him people because and I get it, like a lot of a lot of hockey people really love the very traditional aspect of hockey. They mm-hmm. love that it's so different mm-hmm. than you know other sports. Then, yeah, they than keep basketball. That. So. When a guy like Subban, who's extremely popular, he's probably more popular than, than Sidney Crosby is. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he's extremely popular and he's influential and he's doing that, I think some people want to say, no, 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 no. Let's stop that right there because we don't want hockey to become like the others. Like <laughs> basketball. Yeah. <laughs> they want to be like the what, ninjas. <laughs> with that well, said, though. The, the funny thing, my first thought is like Don Cherry. I can remember there's a clip of him being like, a slap on the wrist, a foul. Like, come on. Like, yeah. he's just... No, man. You know, I, but to, I think a really good example of your point about the rule changes in hockey mm. are something that are so hard to accomplish, yeah. right? Like the, the most significant one that I can think of is um, the way they've changed their icing because it was just such a high risk of injury. Yeah. They went like, okay, we got to change this, but we want to preserve the competitive aspect that, that icing had. Some of the things they talk about now that they want to increase goals. Part of that is changing the nets. That will never happen because yeah. of the traditional nature, right? Mm-hmm. Even they talk about making it slightly bigger, right? It, it, or changing the shape of the post to make more goals deflect in. Like these things, I, I have the vision that'll never happen because mm-hmm. it changes the game See, so much. Here's where I think it's interesting. On that issue, I'm a traditionalist. <laughs> I don't want that to change. Yeah. Because, yeah, I want other things to change, but not that. 
So yeah. that's interesting. Wow, that's I had no idea that there was a tradition within hockey. Yeah, because it's funny because you know you know Joel's the hockey guy, I'm the basketball guy, and you know we and Joel go back and forth on that as well. And I, yes, did in basketball culture is you you said hockey is a team sport basketball is not and that's why i play it yeah. i used to play soccer and i was like yo forget this team nonsense because yeah because like look at lebron yeah. like basketball is like the like one of the only sports yeah. where yo you give the rock to one guy it's isolation you yeah. just tell all four of your guys to go on the other side of the court yeah, to make and you space. just go wanting to make yeah. space for you to do your own thing yeah. so it's very fanboy it's very showy yeah. um Hockey, you're wearing helmets and you're away from the audience. Basketball, um, it's just the jersey and shorts, and you're closer to the audience. Mm -hmm. So, so the flamboyance, the interaction between the crowd is mm -hmm. there. Yeah, yeah. Wow, well, hmm. that's, a, that's a pretty interesting observation, man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Shout out to to PK. Yeah. So. Oh, by the way, his, his clothing line's pretty dope too at RW and Co. Yeah. So, yeah. is that really his clothing line, or is it more so just? I don't think not. No, well, no, I mean, he's not. He's not designing it. He's not designing he's, it. He's, he's, he's got a partnership. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but I mean, nice. he, well, I mean, he's a well dressed brother, right? So that's really that's part yeah. of our culture too, right? So yeah, so okay, why well, look fly? It's cool because he's in Nashville now. He now often wears a hat, you know, one of those uh, I don't know what it's cowboy called. hats. Cowboy hats, yeah. 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 On top of that, he's a yeah. Oh, that's funny. So. I mean, I'm curious to your, I'll, I'll give this quote. I'm going to butcher it because I wasn't, I didn't plan to, to drop the quote, but um, recently Dave Rubin was interviewing someone and he said, when you look at the NFL situation, I think from a Liberty perspective, you couldn't have expected it to play out better. So again, he's not saying the outcome was better, but he's saying from a Liberty perspective. Which situation? Um, so Kaepernick, just simply oh, okay. put. Um, so, I mean, you had an article, what do they stand for, mm. that, that kind of touches on that. But, you know, when I think of that issue, um, the Liberty point was that, you know, people boycotted teams or boycotted the NFL because they didn't like the way the owners, but the owners were allowed to do whatever they wanted by not signing. And, and you know, everybody was able to respond just in the way that they were able to voice their opinion the players were were allowed to you know allowed in the sense of you know not not getting kicked off the team their mm -hmm. contracts not getting voided inappropriately let's call it um what i find as a slight outlier is that most people forget that the u.s government paid the nfl to have the players on the field <laughs> yeah to during the national yeah. anthem to create like yeah. american pride yeah whereas literally i think it was 2002 before that they never used to yeah. be on the field yeah. and then part of the defense budget basically yeah. was like here's some propaganda money yeah. that is a good example of the kind of nonsense that happens when a government wants interferes on everything mm -hmm. you know the government would just but then they want to promote you know, really patriotic and all that, and it kind of backfires away. So, yeah. So, what are your thoughts on the that liberty aspect of it, where like, where the things that played out? If someone's saying, "Oh, I think from a liberty perspective, it actually worked the way we'd expect it to work," um, um, 
not sure how to answer that only because I mean I, I agree with it. I think um see it's it's hard for me to answer that without saying that I think it was very weird how a lot of just Americans in the world I guess reacted to that. Because on one hand, I mean I, of course I didn't agree with uh what the, the NFL players' point of view. But I love the fact that they could protest though. Um, because, you know, it's their right. Um, you know, Americans have uh, far better free speech um, than we do. Uh, we don't really have free speech in Canada. I don't think people, most people realize that, you know, we have so-called freedom of expression, but, you know, you can express whatever the government wants you to express, uh, not, you know, but anyways. Um, but because they have, you know, free speech, I think, you know, uh, if we're understanding it from, point of view of just liberty i think yeah i i, I think it turned out really well um and i think you know while i tend to hate this talking point of you know fair discussions i think it made people think a lot about you know patriotism and, and what really is happening in america um you know but but yeah i i would agree with uh, who, who was that by the way interview uh, with? i'd have to look it up but it was with i think it, he does a whole bunch of stuff with um I know who Liberty University, or there's a Liberty, you know, um, think tank or something that okay. he was partnering with, mm-hmm. and um, or the Ayn Rand Institute or something. So okay. it was one of those speakers during his like, yeah. you know, partnership with them. I'd have to look it up again. I I probably wrote it down somewhere, but like I said, I wasn't necessarily planning to bring it up. So I yeah, no worries. So okay, so here's a political question to kind of get you going. Are you single? <laughs> <laughs> uh no i'm not oh so i answered your question okay okay <laughs> all right um is, is is she black uh no she's not no yeah. do you oh. receive hate for that oh yes i have because for some people it confirms that yeah yeah of course she's an uncle tom but you know now, I think she'd be okay with me saying this, though I might get myself in trouble here. <laughs> I, I honestly, I, I didn't think I'd, I would, I would love. I'm trying, I'm trying to be careful here because she will listen to this. Um, no, I, I love. Don't we, don't we can edit it. We can edit it. Out. <laughs> we, we can make no. like sound like love because we all I, trust me. Anthony's real good at that. <laughs> No, I, I love her. She's 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 incredible. I honestly can't imagine anyone um, uh, better for me than her. But before her, I I thought I'd just you know always be with a black woman. Um, Ghanaian, particularly yes, yes, or Jamaican. Look, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I, I no, um, yeah, Jamaica. I don't, I don't look. I don't discriminate, man. You know, uh, I think <laughs> I will. Yeah. Anyways, I, I, I won't even get into that. Um, yeah, but yeah. So you know, she, she's not, and she, she's not black. Um, and that it, it's, I, you know, because look, I was born in Ghana, man. I didn't see, I didn't even know what a white woman looked like other than tv i suppose until i came to canada you know i'm like oh wow they exist you know <laughs> so like sorry how old for, were you when you came here 10 okay yeah for a long time you know beauty to me was just a black woman um you know um but when i became a christian i realized that you know there's much more important things than skin color 
and uh, some of the physical attributes uh, that I appreciate. Um, I'm getting myself in trouble here. Um, but you know, there's also character and everything that I appreciate, and from the people, from the ladies that I, you know, uh, came across, uh, she had the greatest character. Thankfully, she liked me too, and I'm surprised about that. So, yeah. Well, I mean, you're a pretty good-looking guy, though. <laughs> uh, I mentioned that you should say that, but then now I'm not. I don't know how to. No, no, no. Uh, you're being extremely gracious about this. I don't know how to respond to that, man. I... <laughs> when was was there? An no, I, your profile picture is pretty hot. Like, if you guys check them out, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, slow to write. Check out, ladies. Check out slow to write. Don't leave any comments. Just click like. <laughs> Look, that picture is heavily edited. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. It's a, a headshot. Um, did you, this is, because I, I, I can somewhat relate, like. Wait, to what? My wife isn't white. <laughs> Your wife isn't white? No. When she, like, okay. My wife's adopted <laughs> from Russia. Um, okay, okay. She was born in jail. And they don't know who her dad is. But, like, she turns black in the summer. So, like, she tans crazy. So, like, when I say she's not white, it's like, we don't really know what she is, but, like... Her ethnicity, she's... uh, We just did, like, 23andMe, that, like, genetic testing. Mm -hmm. She's, like, um, broadly spread all across, like, from northern Africa to southern europe to russia like i couldn't t- like i think the highest number was like poland which was like 40 percent, mm-hmm. which would probably be her mom who was in jail in russia mm-hmm. um we might have to edit this out i'll have to get her okay we could just get jenna on and so, we can interview her and she but, can tell her story <laughs> the the point i'm trying to make is I would say, you know, when I started dating her, there was, there was an aspect of like all the things that I expected were kind of like, wait, this is outside of my expectation. So I'm curious for you, like, how was the, was there an, uh, a component of being open to dating someone who's not, yeah. um, you know, in what you had originally idealized yeah. before her or did, was she essentially the catalyst to be like, yeah, I don't care anymore. Yeah, so I was always open to it, um, but I didn't realize how hard it would actually be until I started dating. Because I just thought, yeah, you know, we're Christians, whatever, it's going to be simple. But then I realized there were so many preferences, uh, particularly me, but for her too, that was were cultural, that I didn't know were cultural. Um, and it's been an adjustment for sure. Um, I've I've really come to learn that I I um, how do I say this that I had to really say to myself that okay that you know <laughs> that I don't that I don't have to be with a black woman. That was just really hard for me. It's funny. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, people responded very negatively to me dating her. And, you know, I, I don't broadcast this, but people like, it was hard for me because 
I realized that, man, like, you know, it sounds dumb. I'll, I'll say it sounds dumb to say, but I'm like, my kids may not look just like me, you know, like that's hard for me to think about. I, I'll be it's it's weird because you asked earlier about whether I look like my dad or not. I don't. And I'm very thankful for that, though. That sounds weird because, you know, I just don't want to be like him in any way. And in my, you know, when I was young, when I saw that picture of me, sorry, a picture of him and how he looked like me, I was very glad. But I want my kids to look like me because I want, I, I want to be, I, I don't know. It's like, I want to be like, that's my kid and I'm going to love him and I'm going to take care of him. And then, so I don't know. It's, I had to work with, hey, my kid is, you know, maybe, hopefully, if I marry her, um, that he'll, you know, he or she um will resemble oh okay so yeah so i'm speaking on behalf of our our female black listeners so i'm I'm asking okay i'm channeling my inner blackness to (laughs) think what they would ask do you got mommy issues what do you mean by that uh so you're dating a white woman so do you have do you have this kind of mommy issues where you're you don't get along with your mom no no my mom and i are actually extremely close yeah my mom <laughs> yeah my mom i think sometimes she's I'm like yo mom i get other friends man she tells me everything no we're we're really close i don't i don't have mommy issues i thought you were gonna say yo yo mama's boy or something i was like wait what <laughs> yeah. no but if there's anything it's maybe even that um we're so no it's not but that's one thing too right that you know, it sounds okay. So I'll just be, I'll just be straight up. You know, like black men have hurt my mom, right? And my mom's had a hard life. And it sounds odd to say this, but I wanted to be a good husband for a black woman, mm-hmm. um, really, really badly. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, I don't publicly say that a lot, but I really mean it. Meant a lot to me. So me dating this white woman, I'm like, man, you know, like I can't do one of the things that I really wanted to do mm-hmm. to be different from my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's hard for me to, you know, uh, reconcile that, you know, but I've gained something too that I didn't think I would gain that, you know, I'm going to be, you know, I care about racial issues obviously, and I can love this white woman, you know, hopefully if we, you know, mm-hmm. if I marry her forever and be a good black husband to her too. So. Right, because, you know, it's not the same if you're dating somebody else. As a black man, it's not the same. Yeah. It's not the same. Just for anybody listening who might not know the conversation, it's not the same. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yo, if you black yeah. man, you date a white girl, you're taking yeah. a hit. Yeah. Like, facts. <laughs> like, yeah. that's it. Like, that's, yeah. that's, 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 that's love. That's real love. So, yeah. girl, white girl, if the black guy's weak, yo, that's real love right yeah. there because he's he's losing something, right? So he's taking heat. <laughs> he's, yo, you're taking a hit, bro, straight up to like you know to your person, to your credibility, to everything. So like if if it's anybody else, if it's Chinese, Indian, whatever, eh, it is what it is. You know, I, I mean, it is what it is. You know, it, yeah. you know, people ain't gonna get too rough up about that, but. If it's if it's a if it's a white girl, it's a big thing. And now as a Christian, um, what matters most mm-hmm. in in a marriage, mm-hmm. right? Because when it comes down to it, um, yeah, what she looks like is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. 
Does she love the Lord? Yeah. It does she take being a mom seriously? Does she take being a wife seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she was over the first time, you know, second time actually she was over at my place. She uh made me homemade pizza. And I said, Yep. All right, this is this is not bad. This is good. <laughs> this is good. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah. So I mean, we've touched a broad spectrum of topics. Obviously, yep. the Moses and Marxist was our catalyst for mm. for why we want to talk to you. Is there anything that we haven't touched on, or any particular blog post that you would you know want to bring up, or even you know topics that you're planning to talk about in the future, or just let <laughs> or letting the listeners know what plans you got for the future? Yeah. Um, I have a number of plans. Um, one of the first things is um, I'm going to be starting an interview uh, series. Um, you know, and you guys, the way you guys have interviewed uh, me has, you know, you guys have made me very comfortable. Uh, I was actually, I was actually a bit nervous uh, before I started it, but I'm uh, just talking to you know my brothers here, so I'm much more comfortable. But I'm going to be starting an interview series uh, with guys like Phil Johnson, Justin Peters, hopefully Jordan Peterson. Um and uh a few other guys that I think would be interesting. Oh yeah, James White, uh sorry. Uh a few other guys that I think would be interesting. Um but also, you know, I mean my I, I blog about other things, but most people know me for my views on race. Um and I have a couple of things I wanna write about. I wrote one of the things, uh I mentioned one of the things is is uh, just how common racial disparities are um, between, you know, for black people and white people in Canada, America, France, Britain. I want to deal with why. Um, and I think the issue is fatherlessness. And I think the article might be um, a strong way to, you know, to um, prove that that is the biggest issue. But the other thing, the thing that I'm actually most, most you know, focused on is an article, uh, but I'm being careful with it first, uh, title that I'm working on, but it's titled, um, there are two white supremacists. Um, and I'll just tease it in that there, the first couple lines, uh, there are two, uh, white, there are two white supremacists. Um, so there are two kinds of white supremacists. The first group wear white garbs. The second group wear white guilt. Box side. <laughs> Someone's bringing the heat. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, I would definitely like to say thanks. You know, this is our first interview, and I felt oh, wow. like it went great. We couldn't ask for better. I so. didn't know it was your first interview. Wow. Yeah, man. Yeah. So you should feel special, man. Wow. Yeah. Thank you, guys. So, yeah. Thanks for coming through, and uh, hopefully the listeners enjoy it as much as we did. I enjoyed it too, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks Thank for coming. Oh, um, yeah. If you want to reach you, yeah. If you want to reach me, uh, you can reach me on um, Facebook at Samuel Say. Just for the very good-looking black guy, you you find me. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Um, then uh, at Slaughter Right on Twitter. Then obviously my website SlaughterWright.com. That is uh, slow to write with T O, not two. And then my um, email is uh, slaughterwriter at gmail.com. That's really good. But you heard me? Does that make sense? Madden and Mitchell Media.